0: So this is a special weekend at North Cross for a couple of different reasons. Um, One, as has been mentioned already, this is kind of our, our first time in about four months to get back together here in the room. And... I am so grateful that I'm not in here all by myself. It's good to see smiling faces and hopefully people who laugh at jokes and uh, engaged in the message. More importantly, the other thing that's special is today is um, something we do once or twice a year where we really focus in on the mission and the ministry of North Cross. And as you see on the screen, uh, the theme for today is uh, "I love my church," and, and this is something that is so true for me. I absolutely I absolutely love this church. I love the people that are gathered here and are gathered online. And today, through God's Word, here is, is my goal for this special weekend. I want to share with you, through God's Word, a little bit more of the details about why I love my church and hopefully, hopefully show you why I think you should love this church as well. So with that said, um, we're, we're living during a season where a little bit of humor and laughter can go a long way, don't you think? And even in amidst all of the difficult things we find online, there's there's also some funny things to think about to bring some levity to circumstances and situations. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen either pictures uh, for the older crowd sometimes are called memes um, or videos that sort of are uh, the heading 2020 is like. And there was one picture that made me laugh a little bit of a swing set that was clearly photoshopped next to a brick wall. 2020 is like a swing set next to a brick wall. As you try to get some momentum, you just kind of slam into that wall over and over again. So I had a quest for this weekend, bring a little humor and levity to see if I could find a video that I felt best depicted How I've been feeling about 2020, and um, I'm proud to say I found one. Do you guys want to watch it? It's about a minute long. Um, Even if you said no, I was going to show it anyway, so I don't know why I asked for your opinion, but here it is. Here's what 2020 is like to me. Like a a couple who is excited to ride a camel for the very first time, maybe at the zoo or the fair, 2020, don't you think it started off with such grand expectations? In fact, here at North Cross, we had a a series called Vision 2020, which, of course, your pastors knew exactly what was coming up this year, and I, I hate to think what we all said in those messages and how, like, life actually turned out. Things started off so well. It was a, a new decade and the economy was thriving. Um, the Timberwolves were still no good, but we're used to that here in Minnesota at the beginning of last year. And, and then wham! Beginning of March hits. COVID slams up against us, right? And since that time, it's kind of felt like, riding a camel that's having a hard time getting on its feet or staying afloat. We've just been kind of, this year, stumbling along a little bit. And even then, things seem to be maybe getting a little bit better. Then all of a sudden, something else happens, right? Remember, um murder hornets or whatever they were called. I mean, we had that. Thankfully, I don't remember a big infestation in Minnesota, at least. But then the George Floyd tragedy and all the things that culminated from that and we're still um, living in and, and living through. Um, I've heard that there's a dust storm that's kind of been taking over the world and then COVID cases spike even as people and as our country begins to try to, to get back to normal. Oh, and by the way, um, remember this is an election year, and those with the presidential election, those are always fun to live through, right? (laughs) Or not. What do you do when you find yourself on top of a camel that doesn't seem to be able to get on all fours and walk? Do you jump off and hope the camel doesn't fall on you? Do you just hold on tight and go along for the ride? The truth is, I don't know what you do. I don't know what to do. And there's been many times during this year, whether it be as a father or as a pastor or just as a person, I haven't always known what to do. And maybe you can relate to that and And, as this stumbling and bumbling along has continued for for longer and longer, um, if you're anything like me, you can start to feel it kind of be like a weight that seems to be getting heavier and not lighter. and as you see people around you, you you see that too. you see the heaviness of this weight, the stress of our emotions, the, the stress of relationships, the stress of finances, an unsettling uh, situation in our country, unsettling situation in our personal lives, even some things that are seemingly unsettled here at church when it comes to when to open, how to open, what to do when it comes to ministry. There was no seminary class about ministry in a pandemic, okay? <laughs> and as I, I've seen people, as I've... Myself, try to navigate these waters and to navigate emotions and to navigate my actions and you too, as we, we try to adjust as a country, as a church, and as people. The thing that I, I am certain of, that people need now more than ever, is a four-letter word, It's simply this, hope. It's amazing the power of hope. When there is hope, hope for things to be better. When there is hope, it is amazing the things that we can get through. In fact, this isn't just um, theoretical. It's actually biological. A a doctor who understands how bodies work and hormones and all that kind of stuff, um, he wrote this on Psychology Today. Dale Archer wrote, If I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Just think of that. If he could take hope, put it in a capsule, and give it out to people, that would be the best antidepressant that there would be. Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. It's how powerful hope is. Hope that things are going to get better. Hope that thing that we're going to be okay. Hope that things are going to get back to normal at some point, whatever normal might be. Now, do you know what is the greatest instrument of hope that there ever was? It's not a politician. It's not a political party. It's not a reform or some sort of cultural movement. The greatest instrument of hope that there is in this world now and for 2,000 years is this, the Christian church. The Christian church is the greatest instrument of hope, of real hope in this world. Honestly, that there has ever been. And here's what I know. Here is why I am so excited about this church. This is why I love my church. Because number one, the Christian church is needed now more than ever. Um, There has never been a time in my ministry where the future is as cloudy as it is now when it comes to exactly how to navigate things. But there has never been a time in my ministry that I have been more passionate than I am right now about the importance of what this church and what we get to do together. You see, when is light needed? Light is needed when things are the darkest. Light has the ability to shine its brightest when things are the darkest. That is who we are, church. We get to be light in the dark. We get to be hope dispensers in a season where if you could make hope into a capsule, it would be the best antidepressant there ever was. We have that calling and that ability. And I want to show you a little bit about why that is. And what we can do about it as we get into God's word right now. What we're going to turn is to one of the biographies of Jesus' life. Um, It's written by one of his best friends while he was here on earth. He had three best friends. And this guy's name was John. John writes a biography of things that he experienced while with Jesus and we're going to look at some verses in the very first chapter where we see some of Jesus' disciples having an encounter with Jesus for the very first time. So we turn to John chapter 1 beginning with verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples and I'm going to have to pause because right away I might be confusing some of you. This John is not the one I just described. He's not the one who wrote the gospel. This is a different John. His name is, uh, we know him as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He came some months before Jesus to prepare people's hearts for Jesus' coming and for Jesus' ministry. He preached a, a message of repentance and forgiveness. So John was there again with two of his followers. And when he saw Jesus passing by... He said, look, the Lamb of God, which, let's be clear, it's kind of a strange thing to call someone. I don't know if you've ever called one of your buddies a lamb. It doesn't go over very well. Gentle, um, docile, just, you know, it's not a word, a title you would call people very often. If you lived 2,000 years ago, though, when you heard the word lamb, You couldn't help as a Jew but to think about all of the lamb sacrifices that would happen all the time in the temple. A lamb was often used as a sacrifice of atonement for sins. The lamb's death would represent the coming of the lamb of God. Next verse. When the two disciples, John's disciples, heard him say the lamb of God, they followed Jesus. And as we're going to see, they didn't follow as in they became Jesus' disciples right away. It it sounds as if they followed kind of like in the way that you might see a celebrity in the airport maybe. And it's someone that you, you kind of admire, and so you just kind of follow from a distance. It, sometimes we call this stalking, actually, and that can have a bad connotation, but when you see someone you, you appreciate and you like, you might just keep an eye on them, see, see what they're saying, see what they're doing. Jesus kind of notices these two guys kind of watching from a distance. Next verse. And so turning around, he saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, it's a term of respect. So these two disciples knew that Jesus was a special person. Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And so they had an interest in knowing where Jesus would be going, whether they they wanted to spend some time with him today, or maybe they just wanted to know so that they could rejoin with him on a different day. Next verse. Come, Jesus said, "and, and you'll see where I'm staying. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So they want to know where Jesus is staying, where he is. Jesus not only says where he's staying, he says, I I want to spend the day with you. Imagine spending a day with Jesus. Kind of a cool thing. And there was a lot that Jesus taught and a lot that Jesus shared with those two disciples during that day. And here's how I know. I know by what Andrew, one of those two disciples, said after he was with him. Verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, Peter ended up becoming another one of the 12 disciples, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did after spending the day with Jesus, was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. Let me help you understand a little bit more about what it would have been like to be a Jewish man or woman like Andrew. A little bit of context for his life. You think that our lives right now are going through a season where we need some hope. Some of that is because we have been so, so, so blessed for so long. I looked up uh, what life expectancy was back in the first century when Andrew would have lived. The average lifespan was about 40 years old, depending on where you lived in the world, of course. And the things that people had And maybe better said that people think things that people didn't have. Let's put it this way. Their lives were so different than ours. So much poorer. So much more in need. And then being a Jew in the first century in Israel, here's the other thing. The country that they loved, many of you know this, was inhabited by or ruled by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire didn't care at all about the Jews or the Israelites and they made life in Israel very difficult. Whether that be with high taxes or the other thing being that they made it very difficult for the Jews to practice their religion. And so, guess what? Andrew and this other disciple and probably most of the Jews needed more than anything. Guess what four-letter word would have helped them get through such a difficult time? Hope. And for the Jewish nation, for 4,000 years, prior to this time, they had been waiting for hope to come. They had been waiting for this promise to be completed. Hope had a title. Do you know what that title was? The title was Messiah. The hope they had been waiting for was the Messiah. It means the anointed one. In the New Testament, in Greek, the, the, word, the same word for Messiah is the word Christos or Christ. The Jewish nation had been waiting for hope, and hope had a title. It was Messiah, and Andrew come to find out after meeting with Jesus for a day that hope not only had a title, it had a name, and his name was Jesus. When Andrew met Jesus, even though right in that first day, in that first moment, he didn't get it all. He didn't understand it all. We know that as we look through the lives of the disciples. They were a little bit confused at times about exactly what Jesus had come to do. But he was excited and he wanted his brother Peter to come to meet Jesus because in Jesus there was hope. leads us to our second fill-in for today. Jesus is still the hope the world needs the most. But, Ben, I need my job back. I need to be able to go to church without restrictions. I need my 401k to get back to where it needs to be. Just a second. Jesus is still the hope the world needs the most. Let me explain what I mean by that by sharing something that happened to me a couple weeks ago. Um, Carrie and I had the opportunity to lead a marriage retreat of four church worker couples. And where we were having the retreat, there was a lake right next to the home and there were some jet skis that the couples were able to to use and to enjoy. So one of the couples uh, took out the jet ski one afternoon, got on it, started up just fine. They're kind of going slowly out um, into the lake from kind of a little bit of a bay or inlet. They pull the, the throttle, the trigger there, and the jet ski goes 6, 7, 8, RPMs. It's just revving. The engine's working, but the fastest they're going, at least according to the speedometer, is five miles an hour, all right, which... Honestly, looking from the shore was quite humorous. This, these two people, two adults on a jet ski revving that thing, and they're just kind of putt, putt, puttering along. Probably not fun for them at all. I know it wasn't. So they finally get that jet ski back in by the pier. We take a look, and for those of you who know me at all, you know that it. I mean, I am so handy. I was the right guy to bring that jet ski to, or not, okay? The the people who know me are laughing right now, because I am not handy. So I I open up where the engine is. I don't even know what I'm looking for, but that's what a man would do. You just open it up, and okay, everything looks fine. It's clean. That's all that I can tell. It's clean. There's a a spark plug. Uh, I know the battery works. The engine's working. And oh, by the way, the outside of the jet ski looks great, too. It's not a problem, it's clean, um, the cushions are good, all that good stuff, and everything on the surface seemed just fine. The problem was underneath, the problem was that there were weeds caught in the intake. And so as long as there's weeds in the intake, you can do all you want to make the engine work well, you can change the spark plug, you can change the battery, you can make it all look nice on top. But if there are weeds, if there's a foundational problem underneath, things aren't going to go the way they're supposed to. That's the problem with this world, okay? And do we need some sort of reform in our country? Probably. Are there things we could do better to love each other? Absolutely. That's why a series like The Art of Neighboring is a perfect series for Christians because there's a lot to learn and there's a lot that we can do better. Are there things in this world that need to change? Absolutely. But here's what I know. Because there are weeds in the intake— No matter how much we work on those things, it's always going to be something else. There's going to be another disease once we get over this one at some point. There's going to be another protest. There's going to be other riots. There's going to be other things that are going to cause hate between people, right? Because there's weeds in the intake. There's sin in the world. And since the fall into sin... It's always been that way. It will always be that way. And we can and we should be informed about what's going on culturally and we should understand, um, you know, what's going on on a government level. We should be educated. We should work on loving others better. All that stuff, right? But what we need even more than that is we needed someone to take care of the sin problem. Because sin not only causes problems in our lives and in this world, even worse than that, weeds in the intake, sin in our lives caused a separation from God, from our Heavenly Father. And ultimately, If nothing were done about the weeds, the sin in our lives, there would be no hope. You could have the greatest life here on earth with no problems, but if the end of life is the end, what kind of hope is that? But Andrew came to understand and was so excited about the Messiah because he came to take care of the weeds. He came to take care of sin through his death through his life, through his resurrection. And so now we have a hope that lasts. That's why the church is the greatest instrument of hope, not because we're all about social reform. That's not our main objective. Our main objective as Christians, as individuals, and as a church is about heart change, transformation, that Christ Purchase the opportunity for, and the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts. And when the weeds are out of the intake, when we recognize we have hope for heaven, no matter what happens in this life, we may not like it. I don't like right now, totally. But it doesn't matter. I still have hope. I have hope in life, and I have hope in death. And so do you, and so do you online. We have hope. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Verse 42. Here's what happens next. So Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. He was so excited about this is the Messiah. I I don't quite understand all of it, but I know he's different. I know he's the promised one. I know he's hope with a name. His name is Jesus. He brought his brother. Next verse. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee because they had been by the Jordan River. Finding Philip who ended up becoming another one of the 12 disciples, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was found the town of Bethsaida, right around the Sea of Galilee. Next verse. Philip then found Nathanael and told him, Nathanael, hey Nate, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, you know, the the Messiah, about whom the prophets also wrote. The Messiah has a name. His name's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of, of Joseph, and here's Nathanael's response Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? It's like when I tell people, and I loved growing up here, I lived in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Beaver Dam? What? What kind of town? It doesn't even sound like a good town, you know? And it, if you're from Beaver Dam, it, I loved it. It was a great town. But some towns, some places just don't have the cachet that others do, right? Nazareth, what good could come? From there, You see, sometimes the Savior doesn't always look the way we want him to. He doesn't always act in the ways we hope he would for our earthly lives. Some days he comes humbly and allows us to struggle, where we'd like him to come powerfully like an earthly king from Jerusalem, not Nazareth. Philip said, come and see. (laughs) I can't explain it all. I don't have all the answers. But I do know that Jesus is different. Here's what you need to do, Nate. Just come, come with me. Come and see. In a phrase, that's what this church is all about. In fact, some of you know this. Others of you need to learn this. It's essentially our mission statement. This goes this way. Our mission is to lead people to Jesus. And and I'm sure that many churches would have a mission mission statement that's very similar to this. But what I want you to understand about North Cross, the church that you're a part of, is that this is the most important thing. Not the way we've always done things, or not the, while we respect the traditions of the church, it's, it's not what we're about. Our, our main thing is, how do we connect with people who live in 2020, going through the things that they're experiencing 2020, and how do we lead those people, these people, those people, to Jesus? And so on the weekend, we want this, whether it's online or in person, to be an environment where if you had a Nathaniel in your life who wasn't quite sure, I don't know about that Jesus thing. He's from Nazareth. I don't know about Jesus. It sounds a little bit spooky to me. I've got questions. And you know what you get to tell them as a member of North Cross? Just come and see. Join me online. Come in person. I can't explain it all. Just come and see. And so on the weekend, number three, fill in. We want to create an environment where Jesus can be clearly seen. That's at the heart of what we're trying to do. We don't want anyone to come to North Cross and miss the main event. His name is Jesus. And sometimes, and in some churches, things can get in the way. Um, Maybe it's big words the pastor uses that he doesn't explain and confuses people. You're blessed, at least one of your pastors, namely me, I don't know many big words, so it's just natural for me to explain things because that's uh, my level, okay? Um, Maybe it's it's traditions or uh, just other rituals that have their place, but no one explains why they do what they do and you come away wondering, what was that? I don't quite understand what they were doing. Maybe it's songs that use big words. Maybe it's an environment where you're calm and you're excited and at a certain church, you just feel like you came to someone's house and was ignored the entire time and no one seemed happy to be there. You see, all these little things, they don't start faith in people's hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But sometimes They can make it hard to see Jesus. We want to create an environment where Jesus can be clearly seen so that as you go out in the world, as you connect with people at a time and in a a place who are in need of hope, that either you can explain it and maybe in tandem you can just say this come and see. I may not be able to sit next to you. I think there needs to be four seats in between us. (laughs) But come. Nine o'clock or on demand online. Here's the website. Come and see. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. He's a hope that lasts and helps us to navigate the waters of this life. Come and see. So, As we kind of conclude here today, I do have one point of application. Uh, It's an encouragement for you, it's something for you to pray about, to think about, it's our fourth fill-in. I want you to be a part of things. Make a difference on the weekend, volunteer to join a team. There's four different areas where we can join weekend teams. Um, one is the guest experience, and that would be our welcome teams and host teams and hospitality teams, the people welcoming people as they come in, that smiling face, where <laughs> now you just see the smiling eyes, okay? Um, worship experience, that would be things like AV, uh, broadcast team. In order for us to get out this message online, we're still in need of some camera operators. Really easy, make a huge, huge difference for people to be able to come and see. A photography team, that will take pictures of our Sunday experience and then that we're able to use it on social media and to get out the word online. And then at some point when our North Cross Kids reopens. And one of the things I want to call out and, and then we'll close with prayer. I recognize that for some of you, you may be thinking, I'd like to join a team. I'm not sure that now is the time. I'm not sure that I'm ready because of the health conditions and because of COVID, especially maybe some of you listening online. Don't let that stop you from signing up. When you uh, click on um, the impact tab of our website, there will be a box under each registration form that says, I'm ready now in September, or I'm ready in September, or I'll be ready when conditions change, keep me updated. We understand now is a different time, but when things open, when they open more, we want to be ready because this is a place that dispenses hope. And more than ever, our world needs hope. I love my church. I hope you online love this church. I hope you guys love this church. I am just so excited to be able to do ministry with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this opportunity um, to be encouraged by the word. Um, when, When Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel spent time with you, Jesus, what they saw was hope, hope in a body, hope in flesh, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Still today, you are, Lord, and forever will be our greatest hope. Help us, Lord, as a church, as a family of believers, to be dispensers of that hope, in ways that connect with people's hearts, and then we trust you always, that you, Holy Spirit, are the one who does the work. I ask a special prayer of blessing upon the people who are listening today. As they consider how they might be able to make a difference, I'd ask you to help them consider, maybe some of them for the very first time, to join a team, to use their gifts to make a difference. We pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.